Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 122 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex... The eagle has landed. Uh, you are back in the U.S. of A. Um, how did they let you back in the country? <laughs> Barely, they did, bro. They like they held me up at customs for. It took me thirty hours in the airport to get back home. Yeah, and Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, like Costa Rica charged me uh, exit taxes for all the shit I was taking out because you know I was taking my computer, my PlayStation Four, my dogs, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, normally it would be like 140 bucks or something. The current administration has lost their mind. In the same couple of weeks, they've doubled my taxes, rescinded my residence, and then they charged me like a thousand and X, whatever. It's not even a thousand. I'm just complaining when I shouldn't be. It was fine. The people at the airport were really nice. Everybody at Delta was fantastic. They're, uh, they they kind of looked at me like I think this is BS too. Let me see if I can get a hundred bucks off or something like that. Mm-hmm. The the thing that was amazing, by the way, I'm just hopping into this because I got so much to say to you guys. By the way, y'all like to hear where I'm traveling right now. I'm in downtown Manhattan, thirty fifth floor of One UN. Uh, if y'all like if y'all like to hear that live from a hotel room, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I uh. Uh, they, uh, Delta, hold on, let me, let me pick up what part of the messed up story I was at. So, okay, so I'm taking my dogs back to the United States, right? This was the biggest pain in the ass, uh, because taking dogs from a third world country to the United States, they're always kind of worried, you know, it's got rabies and they're, you know, they're going to bite someone's ankle and then, you know, the zombie apocalypse is going to start because my little effing Maltese nibbled on somebody's heel. And, uh, they I had to get, like, so much paperwork, and it was so effing expensive, you know, and I had to go to the one veterinarian's office that spoke fluent English because I had no idea what the hell they were talking about in Spanish when they got into all the medical terms and uh, the forms you had to fill out. So anyway, I pay an arm and a leg for that. I mean, way too much money, right? And then I call, Spirit Airlines says, I'm like, do you guys transport animals? And they were like, yeah, it just has to be in, like, this kind of a carrier or whatever. So I buy the Spirit Airlines ticket. Um, they send me another email, and they're like, oh, by the way, not for international flights. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, you could have told me that before I bought the ticket, right? And then I, I call them up. I'm like, hey, this isn't fair. I just, I just bought this specifically so I could transport the dogs. They were like, well, you're going to have to go without your dogs. I'm like, well, that's not happening, yeah. right? And then... 
I was like, I want a refund. They were like, well, there's a cancellation fee. I'm like, how, okay, how much is the cancellation fee? And they said, well, you'll get $6.94 after we apply the cancellation fee. And I, I literally was like, it went through my head, go after yourself. But I, I, I said, yeah. you know, I, be polite. I, I'm sure it's not this person's fault. So anyway, I eat the Spirit Airlines ticket. I book another flight with Delta. I, I call all the, by the way, I spent like four hours calling every carrier and asking for the rules. Nobody knows the rules for transporting a dog in, in, internationally. And then I've got two dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Because for some stupid reason, I have the mother and daughter of my Maltese, right? You know, and then, uh, so anyway, I call and they say, okay, look, I looked it up. You need one carrier and it's going to be, uh, you're going to need one carrier for your dogs, one little box for your dogs to take on the plane. I'm like, one for two dogs. And they're like, yes. And it has to be to these specs, right? So I convert it. uh, And I'm like, it's like 20 inches long. I'm like, you want me to put two dogs in one carrier that's 20 inches long? And they were like, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are you serious? And they were like, (laughs) yes, those are the rules. And I'm like, okay. So I go to the veterinarian's office, and I'm like, okay, I need to get a carrier for the dogs. And they were like, okay, two carriers, let me go. I'm like, no, honey, they said one. And I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, they said one. And she was like, that doesn't sound right. And I'm like, I just called them, and that's what they said. And I was like, okay. So I go to the – I go to – I don't sleep the entire night because I, I just couldn't sleep the last night in the house. I thought, you know, like my kids were going to be scurrying around in my marriage. It was just too creepy, right? And then – uh. Anyway, so I'm like, I'm pounding black coffee. I'm listening to my goofy-ass 80s music. And I have my system up loud and shaking the walls because screw it, I'm out of this neighborhood. And everybody in my neighborhood knows what's going on. They're cool. And they can't really hear much, right? They're kind of giving me a pass. I get out there. I'm, I'm, I have not had a good night's sleep in a few days because I'm leaving my home of seven and a half years. I do not feel good. And I got these two damn dogs and a carrier, right? And I go up to the front, and the guy takes one look, and he goes, I can't let you on this plane. They need to be on separate carriers. And I was like, <laughs> come on. And I, 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 Barry, I am not proud of much in my life. Not cussing this guy out is one of them. I yeah. was just, I bit my lip, and I said, I called your offices. They said one carrier, mm-hmm. Right. And he goes, I need you to put them into two. And then I, it, this is when I almost lost it. I said, I don't have two carriers. Where do you think I'm going to get two carriers, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I almost said, I was like, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's not your fault. I'm sure they have a different set of rules than they have at corporate. But could you please talk to someone? And this guy went to bat for me, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, hold on. So he calls, like, the big head cheese over here to ask if I can make an exception. The woman comes over. And I hear him in Spanish. He goes, I know it's not normal for two dogs to be in one carrier, but they're pretty small. I think they'll be okay, right? And you can tell he's just using every little charm trick he can in the book. Uh-huh. She gives him a look like, are you serious? And then, like, she goes, all right, fine. And I almost, like, fist pumped yeah. right there, right? And then and then I'm like, I'm so excited. He's like, all right, got to pay for the dogs in the bag separately, right? So I hand him my credit card, not realizing – I had enough money on my credit card for all the pet fees because the pet fees are insane. And I had enough money in cash for my bag. Well, I, excuse me, I had that messed up, but yeah, essentially I got them mixed up and he had to knock 150 bucks off my export 
stuff anyway, which was really embarrassing. And yeah, I pretty much bowed and tried to not ball my eyes out. I was so stressed. And yeah, you know, after uh, being held up in the Atlanta airport for 14 hours, uh, I got home. Yeah. Uh, I spent a whopping 10 hours in Bullhead City, <laughs> my new home. Yeah. Uh, Carlos, Carlos Welch picked me up. Uh, yeah, we listened to Penn Jillette's new audiobook in the car. That was pretty badass and uh, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's a uh, Bullhead City is like I'm in the country, man. Like it is. There is not a whole lot going on. Like, everybody, everybody's real nice. You know, a bunch mm-hmm. of them look like math addicts, but they're really nice people. And uh, everybody, everybody's been super cool there, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, I come out to New York. Uh, I, got, I got a little business here, not as much as uh, some people think I got out here. I kind of just, I, essentially, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys the truth. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to be doing with the Canadian border. Uh, the Canadian border is particularly vicious, mm-hmm. and uh, essentially, if you you get sent back, you have to pay whatever the airline decides you have to pay, right, uh, for the return flight. So if I go from Las Vegas to Montreal and they send me back, they like by, according to the law, they have to send me by by Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, they can charge me whatever they want for that ticket. And I think the maximum for that is like $1,500. I do not have $1,500 to spare after moving internationally mm-hmm. this month and a divorce, right? If I do it from New York City, the maximum they can charge me is 300 bucks. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. Trying to go to Mo- Montreal to see Dennis Peterson. Check out me and Dennis Peterson's free hand history review on my YouTube channel, Assassin Auto Coaching. It's... Uh, we got a way cooler cover than you could ever believe on it. It's a, it was like Canadian hand history reviews, and my designer from Morocco like really highlighted Canada, mm-hmm. and like made a really cool like global map. And I was like, this this looks like we're about to take over the world, Pinky. This doesn't look like we're you know jackasses talking about check raising. But yeah, it was a, uh, yeah. And I came to New York and I called a bunch of my high school friends, and they've been taking me everywhere. And, like, they're the nicest people ever, and they're super... God, dude, like, my my high school was where they had, like, the advanced placement classes, which I unceremoniously never made it into. Um, but, like, they're just so cool. They're, like, taking me everywhere. And they took me to a Super Bowl party, like, in downtown Manhattan and, like, up in somebody's condo on, like, the 40th floor. So we had the view of the city, and I was like, this must be what educated people do, right? They were all... Everybody had like two beers. Uh, no, nobody got drunk and stupid, which I've never, you know, coming from my white trash ass background, I've never seen mm-hmm. at a Super Bowl party. Everybody was totally, they were really funny, like when nothing was going on. And then when something was going on, they would shut up. And I've never been at a Super Bowl party that cool. And it was awesome. And it was just, it's like what you imagine America would be like if you watched all the commercials and stuff, just like all different ethnicities, cool people. And like the difference between them and Seattleites is like politics came up like three times in the night, which is obviously a pretty hot button issue uh, right now in America. Mm-hmm. And everybody made one or two jokes. Uh, everybody got their quips in. And it took about uh, three minutes. And it was like where I'm from in Seattle, that would have taken over the discussion and nobody would have been paying attention yeah. to the game which would have really pissed me off right 
I got a little worried when I walked in. They were all playing Pictionary, and somebody was in front of the TV. I was like, this will not stand. <laughs> this will not stand, right? Yeah. But, yeah, everybody was really cool, really fun. And uh, I went to see the Met the other day, like the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah. Uh, pro tip, by the way, it says 25 bucks is the admission price. I went to go, uh, went to go get it. Uh, my friend said that's that's a suggested donation. You actually only have to pay one dollar. Right. I was like, oh, uh, you know, I, I feel bad. You know, they they bring all this stuff together, and they're like, no, like Google, Google how much this museum gets per year. So I googled it. You know. Just a cool $7 billion. Yeah, they're doing okay. Uh, they, they, yeah, yeah, they're doing all right. They're doing yeah. all right. That was pretty cool. They have this They had this museum exhibit called the Armory, dude. I felt like I was 10 years old. I was like, this is so cool. Every five seconds, they had, like, guns from, like, the 1600s, and they were, like, yeah. carved out of ivory. They had, like, double-barreled shotguns yeah. from the do they still? Do they still have, like, I, I've never been there. I've, I've been to New York, but I didn't go there. Yeah. When I, I was, like, only 16 when I went to New York. But um, right. I remember seeing a documentary. I really like that Jeff Coons stuff. You know, the guy, like, Steve Wynn bought some of these. He bought the big Popeye. It's in the Wynn in Vegas. Um, oh, yeah? It's, like, the big sort of aluminium, really shiny color. Not aluminium. It's colorful steel or something. You know, it looks really... He does the big yeah, 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 I know what and, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Jeff Koons, like his, he did some. They did some exhibition of like all his work and stuff, and they hung it from the middle of like the Met, I think it was, and it was yeah. all like hanging from the ceiling. You know, like that was the exhibition. All these things were like hung up, and it was just hanging oh, wow. in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. awesome. No, I didn't. I didn't see that, but damn it, I wish I did. <laughs> that well, sounds uh, awesome. Like a funny story, like when I was in Vegas in October, like in the wind, and I saw that, I was like, oh, that's that Jeff Coons. Like, that's a real, it was like the Popeye, and um, I'm sure it was the Popeye one, and uh, it was, Steve Wynn obviously bought it, and there's a little card on it in the wind, and it's like, for sale, offers, but it's a joke because it, some guy, other billionaire is notoriously kept offering him money for this, and Steve Wynn says <laughs> Steve, Steve Wynn says it's not for sale, so he, but there is an actual card in the wind beside it that says for sale offers or something like that. You know, and it's like it's worth like fifty million or something. He's he's not he's not back fifty million or that. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Uh, that, there was something. Speaking of funny little written aside, there was a in the Egypt exhibit in the Met. They had like an actual I, I don't know what you would call it a catacomb or like some. Yeah, yeah, some darkened shrine that they'd uh, they'd shifted over from Egypt. Like somebody went in there, and some soldier in the 1800s, when they were trying to conquer the Europeans, were trying to conquer all of uh, all of uh, the Middle East. Some guy, some jackass in there wrote like, you know, you know, James was here, New York, 1821, <laughs> or something like that. And now the thing's in effing New York, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and, and it was just, yeah. It was, Man, that was cool. But, yeah, you know, I got to walk through Central Park. I had a coffee at the Grand Plaza Hotel. Macaulay Culkin was nowhere to be found. I was very disappointed about that. Donald Trump uh, in Washington. <laughs> yeah, no Donald Trump. Man, they hate Donald Trump here, man. You bring up that name, and it's like, well, I was at the Super Bowl party, and I, I know you don't know much about football, but essentially uh, the Patriots came back from a 25-point deficit against the best offense in the NFL to win the Super Bowl, uh, Tom Brady, 
Tom Brady's like this Adonis looking, good looking dude yeah, who I've got seen him and I know about him and what's the other guy? The uh, famous one is Tom Brady and I can't think of the other like Jay famous one, but no, someone else. What color is he? He's white. He's white. He's white. Tom Brady, John L. Uh, there's a lot of white ones. Yeah, so, yeah. I was hoping you met one of the... Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just now... I think Peyton, Peyton, Peyton Manning. Like, Peyton Manning. I'm pretty sure I just said that, but okay, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, they're, yeah, Peyton Manning's kind of the maverick, but I think Tom Brady just overtook him. Right. Um, but, yeah, no... I think the era of spindly white quarterbacks is over because you got these guys like Michael Vick and Cam Newton coming in, and they're just, you know, I mean, not saying like white guys can't do it, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be an era of guys who can run and throw, <laughs> and uh, yeah. But anyway, like Tom Brady's like the best of the of this era, and he came back from a twenty five point deficit, and I I don't know like in football like in soccer that would be like a four to zero deficit with seven minutes left yeah and they 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 won by five four or something like that Mm -hmm. it 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 is unheard of it is unheard of and our and it was so funny because i was at the everybody had a real fun time during the game and we were all kind of cheering for him at the end just because it was like it's like seeing like Haley's comet you just want to see it you know Mm -hmm. like how does this happen and at the end, though, everybody goes, F Tom Brady. And I'm like, why, why do we all hate Tom Brady? You know, because he's a good-looking dude who got drafted in the fifth round and worked his ass off to become the greatest ever. And they were like, he supports Trump. And I'm like, well, you know, and then I, I, I can't believe I said that. I was like, well, that is kind of the Trump card. And I totally did not mean it as a pun. But, like, the entire party was like, ah, did you just say that? Like, and then, yeah, anyway. I'm doing good, homie. Next stop, Montreal. Life is good. Hey, hey, to celebrate me back in the States, we have 50% off all my webinars right now. And that is stupid cheap. A lot of them are like, I don't know, a bunch of them are 30 bucks. And we have a bunch of people, like, they've never been that cheap. Write me at alexatpokeredrush.com if you're interested. I'll send you the email. And they all got nice little digital boxes you can click on and you can see previews of. But, yeah. Everything's everything's going good. I gave Thomas the other day, uh, Thomas Polverblik from Slovakia, or however his name is. He was the one who called me the Henry Rollins in poker, so I just gave him a webinar the other day <laughs> when he was asking about it. I was like, keep that up, kid. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. No, none of you else, everybody else has to pay me 30 bucks and keep paying for my ridiculous prices out here in New York. Okay. You go out to breakfast in Scotland. How much is breakfast in Scotland, Barry? And, and what sort of place? Give me like a... Mid- like a decent place, like a diner. Right, a diner, decent place, I'd say for like a... What we call like a full English Scottish breakfast, like bacon, egg, sausage, etc. And maybe a drink. Probably about £7 average, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm spending... Be, for me and my friend to go to brunch here, it was fifty-four dollars before yeah, tip. That's, I mean, that fifty-four dollars. Like... I mean, yeah. by the way, it was totally it was totally worth it because like brunch in NY, I've never done before, and it's kind of you know a lot of people watching, a lot of cool people to come, a lot of cool people come through, and you know they're all from different parts of the country, and you kind of need a little money to live here, so they tend to be motivated and have their jobs and everything's cool, mm-hmm. but like. uh Damn, dude! Like I know. I mean, the money like I make, I'm I'm cringing. That's when I service see. prices. You know, that's like 
Oh, dude, dude. And room service is... <laughs> imagine room service prices yeah. when outside of room service prices. No, I'm... I'm a... I'm using this app, Seamless, I've never heard of, right, where it's like you can just order food from NY, and it's just like, all right, you know, get a few things for breakfast, and, oh, that's $70, you know. It's like, <laughs> what? Uh, all right, and, okay, anyways, we got questions? Yeah, yeah, and it's a good segue, but as always, because uh, after New York, next stop is Montreal for Alex uh, to meet up with Dennis Peterson, I you know, I've been yeah, told it yeah, is. Yeah, even it's, not, it is. it's not Pat out there. Yeah, it's, it's not, not it, It's not the uh, sort of um, Scandinavian Pedersen, as it was, even though it's written that way. So, Dennis yeah. Peterson writes in with the first question, and this was from a few weeks ago he sent in, but uh, there have been other ones since then. So, hey, Barry and Alex, um, I have found that me and some of my poker peers have a common issue with Cardrunners EV. We all seem to be able to agree on how to set up a tree for pre-flop play, but when we go post-flop, the waters seem to get murky. It seems for a lot of your calculations, you assume the hero jams or folds. Can we use this approach when the hero has an SPR greater than 1? Is it still okay to use once the SPR is greater than 2? My worry is that we end up spending time and energy making trees that mislead us. Right. And as an added suggestion, I think it's time for a How to Use Cardrunners EV 101 class. I'm sure that would sell out fast. Thanks for everything, guys. Dennis Peterson. I mean, it would sell out with you guys because you're like the 1% of people that want to use it. That's the weird thing with my job. It's like, well, if you want to get really good at this, you're going to need to learn how to use Cardrunners EV. Uh, that being said, like, I sold that book, The Myth of Poker Talent, and... I was talking about this with Jonathan Little and I went to go get coffee and then, you know, I just sat there enraptured listening to him for an hour because he's on a different stratosphere than I am. But it, 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 uh, it, I was talking about like, dude, I sold the book and everybody's talking about how good it is. And I'm like, nobody does it. Like I had step by step instructions in like Carlos Welch, Dennis, Angelo, who, who else always tries to do it? There's a few of my students that are like really on it. Uh, Riyard's. Noblest, by the way, I'm always going to pronounce Riyards with uh, the rolling R because mm -hmm. that's how I imagine it. And the only Eastern European language I've had a connection with over the last couple of years is the Czech Republic, and they roll their R. So sorry, sorry, Riyards, you're now officially Czech. Now, uh, you know, those guys are really into it, and, you know, they're the... But, like, the other 99% of the poker world, just they don't want to deal with it because it's really complex. Um... You can, you know, when you have a stack-to-pot ratio higher than one, by the way, I didn't know that acronym until like a year or two ago to let you know how far my head is up my ass when I'm uh, studying. Uh, I just don't pay attention to anyone else, which is really stupid, which I really need. Jonathan Little was really on me about He's like, you got to watch other training videos. But I was like, yeah, I know. I, it, it kind of, I have my own thing I'm trying to pursue. But, yeah, anyway, you can mess... A lot of the, a lot of the card runners EV cows. Sorry, I, this is a really good question, Dennis. You're gonna have to give me a second to think through it. A lot of them are simplifications, which is the simplification I do is like, okay, it's an all-in or fold, but you do that to just assume you you die on the flop. Like if he goes all in, you fold, right? There's nothing else, and then that lets you know, like, just cut off. Was this? see that a good idea and that's just kind of a good shorthand method for 
That's a good shorthand method. Obviously, it's not practical. Like, he doesn't shove 53 big blinds when he has second pair, right? But that's a good way to shorten the the thing to just go, was my C-bet profitable? Assuming I can't hit any card on the turn, it's over, it's over, it's over if I see that and he defends. He doesn't call with it. I can, you know, I think I'm going to have to make a video to show you guys how to, like, put in calls, raises, and folds. If you guys could link up with Riard's Doblis, Riard's does some coaching. He's got a little bit more free time than I do now. I don't even know, like, uh, you, you guys are all on the same page. I, I don't know how he wants to do it. I'd link up with him. He's getting pretty damn good with Cardrunner ZV. I'm... He sends me crap that I'm like, Jesus, Lord, you know. Hey, hey, Alex, can you take a quick look at this? I'm like, it, it would be like an artist sending you like, hey, man, I need you to analyze Monet. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that complex. Like, it, it is that complex. And uh, I think, yeah, we. It, it's really kind of hard for me to tell you over the one outer podcast how to do it. So maybe you could come up with some questions that I could try to figure out and I could do a YouTube video or a webinar. We could do a webinar. That'd be fun. Uh, actually, I'm going to charge you all for my time because I'm going to have to call up the Card Runner ZV creator to make sure. I'll, I'll let you all know something. I don't know what the hell I'm doing either. Uh, there's like, I, I'm trying to figure it out, but I have to call the Card Runner ZV creator. And by call, I mean email. It just makes me sound like a high powered executive when I say call. <laughs> you know, I taught my New York tower. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, like, I have to write him and be like, did I get this right? And he's like, no, you know, <laughs> do it again, right? And then uh, he's like, you messed this up. And it, it is, you know, once you, once he teaches you, it's actually pretty damn easy. But the problem being, it's just, you know, no, none of us have ever really seen anything like that before, right? And, uh, but essentially, the big ones, uh you can just do like call downs in the, in the, I would start with a call down. You guys need to like work on some triple barrel bluffs. I heard you guys were working on that uh, before. Cause you know, when it comes to poker, I'm omnipotent. I hear everything, but I heard you guys were working on triple barrel bluffs. That's really good because that's, you can establish like very thin raising ranges, calling ranges, folding Ooh. ranges. Um, I, I think this is something I'm going to have to answer with visuals, but, uh, it's kind of – something I always think of is, let's say I was in – Costa Rica has these little towns in the bases of mountains, which nobody wants to live in because if there's heavy rainfall, they get flooded. And they have, like, a very poor population there, right? But they do have internet and they do work, and they do know what poker is. And I was thinking, you know, like, the next Durr could come from here, and that would be really strange, right? Because Durr started with, like, $1 tournaments and stuff like that, right? And uh, I was thinking, if I, what I always try to do as, like, a mental exercise is, what would I do if I was this kid to get better, right? Because this kid will not be embarrassed about anything, and he will spare no time expense, right? Well, the stuff we did... I did have a student like that. Uh, he wasn't quite this poor, but his name was Gabe, Gabriel Diaz. He's probably one of the best in Peru. I say he's the best because I know him personally. He's the most rational dude I know. Uh, no, thank you. Anyway, yeah, no, no house. <laughs> I just keep it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, uh, so anyway, they, like, Gabriel was like, 
Yeah, uh, hello? Yes? Oh, it's okay, it's okay. Thank you. Uh, no, th no, thank you. A little later. Yeah, it's okay. Thank you. Anyway. It's all another, right. another country, another door shut. <laughs> another. It's the guy with the, 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 the tomatoes. Yeah, it's the construction worker. Where's the radial arm saw? Yeah. <laughs> what would so, you do if he just came in oh with the radial arm saw and ran yeah. this is, They're going to cut you up in the room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the mob. They heard yeah. I ran a boxing match outside of New York City. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, no. Damn it. I lost my train of thought. Give me one second. Oh, but like Gabriel Diaz, uh, he he was working with me, and I mean, this was before he blew up and became a way better poker player than I was at the time. Uh, he, uh, I have no idea how he plays now, but I think I've advanced quite a bit um, mentally over the last couple of years, whereas he, before, he was just like, this is how mature this dude was. He was like, okay, this coach uh, needs help with Flopzilla. I need help. Uh, you know, he can help me with a lot of other stuff. I, he just read the user manual for Flopzilla and, like, highlighted stuff and worked it out. And it took him, like, seven hours. Mm -hmm. But then he taught me how to use it in 20 minutes. Do you think I ever forgot that? Yeah. Hell no. Like, so when he writes me, what do I do here? I'm like, oh, crap, Gabrielle made something, right? And then I'm like, okay, here, here's what you do, right? You guys are, you guys are kind of in a time crunch, but the cool thing is the Cardrunner ZV creator made a ton of videos about how to use them. Now, he's, when, when you're that smart to make something like Cardrunner ZV, that doesn't, it, it, you, when you tell people it's going to be the Matthew John of very direct numbers and nuts and bolts stuff, but you just got to sit through it, right? And you're, you're going to get to it, but yeah. I'll make I'll make some videos, Dennis, on how to do that. Long story short, but yeah, I I think it's pretty easy to do. It just takes forever, mm -hmm. you know. It just you guys know how to do this. It just like that's what Riard does. Is he's like, okay, this is gonna feel like a tremendous waste of time, but I'm gonna spend four hours on one calc, and Ape Styles does the same thing, and then at the end he has some like Ape Styles did a, you know. One guy wanted to jam with 26 big blinds. He wanted to call with 26 big blinds with ace-nine offsuit. And obviously, he had to go through a ton of iterations. What if the flop comes like this? What if the flop comes like that, right? Mm -hmm. And he took the time to do it. I mean, I've done a few like that as well. It's, uh, I'll, I'll work with you guys on the post-flop stuff. It's, it's going to be tough. All right, next question. I don't know. God, I hate you, uh, Dennis. <laughs> you have good questions. Anyway, all right, let's okay. go. Next one is from Derek. Uh, hello, I was watching some poker and I saw a guy lay down kings to a 5-bet. He was right as the other guy showed aces. It got me thinking about making big laydowns. I'm talking about if we have queens or kings. Um, facing multiple re-raises, in what situations can you think of we can make this fold? I don't mean satellites are just laddering at a final table, but perhaps during a tournament. Is it purely on the player read, sorry, is it purely read on the player live or stats online? I know there are just setups, but any extra edge we can find. Well, I mean, a lot of the times when I make a big laydown, well, first of all, I don't talk about it that much because I don't want people knowing I make big laydowns. The, the hand I lay down all the time is queens. 
and nobody, but, but like, it'll be like raise under the gun, under the gun plus two, three bets, another guy cold four bets, and I have queens, right? And there is a good chance I'm ahead. I don't care. Because there's also, you know, like, the edge here is not that big. Yeah. If I jam and I'm right, you know, I do get some money. If I jam and I'm wrong, that's it. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, I fully admit I'm folding a profitable hand here. I don't care. You know, it, it just, it happens. There's there's just times where, especially in the live tournaments that are slower, like if you're in a WPC or EPC or something like that, uh, that's really slow. On day two with the EPTs, WPTs are always have pretty good structures. A lot of times I'll just pitch that because there, I'm going to find much bigger edges when I raise to 3x and some dumbass keeps flatting me from the big line and check folding 60% of the boards. I'm going to get a lot of money when, you know, uh, jerk off number one opens from under the gun with his Jack 7 suited because he's such a gangster and he saw Gus Hansen do this eight years ago and I free bet and he calls because, you know, he's going to outplay me post flop. And I get all my money from that, and it's pretty safe money. That's real bread and butter bets. When I'm just jammed with the queens, it's like, well, I have like a 4% edge yeah. here. Here's all my chips. Good luck. And, you know, there's times for that. Like if I'm sitting at the table with, you know, Phil Gelfon and Isildur, and they're going at each other, I'm just going to jam because there's no chance I'm going to be able to outplay them post-flop, right? But that isn't the situation most of the time. Furthermore, I think it's very dangerous to get into this mode online because online people don't have the embarrassment factor, so they do more goofy free betting and four betting. Mm-hmm. And if you get in the habit of folding queens or, God forbid, kings, you're, you're just going to get worked at some point. And also, online structures tend to... I mean, I guess they're comparable, but unless you're playing like the big events, like they tend to be a little bit quicker... You combine that with the guys that are going real big. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those plays, like, if you can fold kings, it's really cool, but it's kind of like uh, an American football example. is like, it's a 96-yard pass. Like, you don't want to get in the habit of doing that. Like, that's a, that's a very dangerous play. Uh, if you think it's going to come to that, you're at the end of the game and you don't see any other way you got to do it. Uh, like, you got have to do that, right? You know, it's a... Uh, you just let it go. But I, I, I think looking for it, I think there's a big problem in poker where people just look for the sexy moves, right? And that, that makes us feel like a great poker player. Like, I folded, I bet folded 70% of my chips with a set once, deep in a 5K that I ended up finishing third in. I bet the river 70% of my stack, and the guy looked as calm as I've ever seen a person moving all in. I saw no way... I was beating him. I was totally betting for value the whole way. I'm such a smug little punk, too. I was so pissed, right? And every fiber of my being was like, just call him. He's... Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the other smart part of my brain was like, what would he do this with that you beat, right? Yeah. Essentially, I had the board. It was queen, queen, seven, three, four. I had ace, queen. On the river, I bet 70% of my chips. The reason I did that is because nobody jams all in as a bluff there. Uh, when somebody bets 70% of the chips, they think it's a bluff from on your part because why would you bet 70% of your stack? Why wouldn't you just move all in? Uh, it, it, I, I don't know. People always put that there. And if they have king, queen, queen, jack, queen, ten, they just call, right? They're, they're worried about 
a better kicker. And when he jammed, I was like, oh, it's pocket sevens, mm-hmm. right? Oh, God, right? Oh, Jesus, Lord, right? And then I folded. He did not. There's six straight, right? There's always six straight. And uh, six straight is just looking at the guy's reaction. And he did look. He had like a micro frown, right? Mm-hmm. When I folded, like, oh, how did he fold there? And I was like, good fold, Alex, right? Yeah. And to this day, I think of that play because I ended up finishing third in that tournament for six figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left myself with like 18 big blinds when I did that. My, literally, like, I bet like 46 big blinds on the river and folded for 18x more or whatever yeah. it was, right? I don't... I, if you ask me, okay, give me five more plays that you've done like that, Alex, in the last 11 years, I think I could give you two, three. I mean, like, you know, I called one time with King Jack High on the river for my tournament. I was right. Uh, I called one time on the river for my tournament with fourth pair. I was right. That's about all I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure if I dig through my arsenal, I'm sure I've had a couple other pretty cool hands, right? But... Most of my money just comes from not messing up. Mm-hmm. And not messing up means once in a while, eh, meh, yeah. this doesn't look that good. But what it normally means is I have no clear read. I have queens. People like to mess around. I'll go with it, right? And I wasn't, I, I wasn't that assertive when it came to the positions at the beginning. So if, like, under the gun, I keep saying like, by the way. A friend of mine is a vocal coach here in New York, and, uh, yeah, she's grilling me. Anyway, but, yeah, uh, it, it, anyway, if it goes under the gun, opens, under the gun plus one, three bets, then middle position one, cold four bets, and I have queens. The general consensus is if you're ahead here, you're barely ahead, Right. In that situation, I think the big mistake would be just a jam, not really knowing what you're doing. Uh, the much smaller mistake is to fold because you had nothing invested. Mm-hmm. And But people don't realize it, but poker is about missing the best. I screw up all the time in poker terms, but my screw-ups tend to be a little smaller than most mm-hmm. people, which is why when I, came, when I final tabled the WPT uh, a couple months back, I didn't really feel like I had a great read on anybody at end point. I don't think I played particularly well. I, I just avoided big mistakes. And, you know, I, I did have my training, which got me through a lot. Uh, but I, you know, there was no super sexy triple barrel value bet. There was no super sexy four bet bluff. There was, there was one time I caught a guy three bet bluffing I four bet, but that, that, that was it. And that, that I could see that coming from, mile away because the guy time banked 30 seconds every time I opened but I it was just calm cool collected poker and when I cashed in the WSOP I always thought I had to do something so extraneous I I thought I had to do something so special to do well in the WSOP main event all I did this year you know because I was 240 pounds which is about you know 40 pounds overweight for myself if not 50 uh I was feeling like death, and I had divorce papers in my backpack. Uh, I was thinking, why don't you just try not to do anything stupid this time, Alex? And yeah. day four, I had a flip. If I won that, I would have gone deeper in the main event. It didn't happen, but I still got my money out. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything special. Anything special. Live Poker 101, I showed you guys nothing special. I was like, look, we have a weird situation. We fold. 
but usually the weird situations are a lot closer. I think trying to fold kings pre-flop is one of those super sexy moves you shouldn't try to do. It's only if... I don't even know if I've ever done it. There, there's sometimes like old man winter at the other side of the table six bets, and you know it's... I, I guess maybe in a 1-2 game or something I've done it, but it, I'm not looking for it. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, no, I don't think I've ever folded Kings pre-flop, which is probably says something about me as a player. But I, I don't think you should go looking for it. I, I think generally if a guy three bets you and you think it's a really tight play, you should just call. Or if you're four betting and to the five bet you're going to fold, I, you know, did you expect him to flat the four bet and then you were going to go for it? If that If that was your case, good, but... I find most people don't really have a clear plan when they do that, which really worries me, because all I know in poker is I'm not the smartest dude. I'm not even close to the smartest dude. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to studying. I, I need to read something seven times, or every time a guy like Gabrielle needs to read it once. Uh, the only thing I do is I plan stuff out, and I go, okay, well, if I do this, what's that? That's why in my tournaments, I, I, I play really fast most of the time when I know the answer because I know I'll need 30 seconds sometimes with some pre-flop decision where I really have to think through, okay, if I four-bet here and five, that's what do I do, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times I see, I see intellectual laziness when I see a big fold like that because I go, what was the plan with the four-bet? I, 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 I don't get that. There's a, there are... Yeah, I don't. I, I would say just don't go looking for that. Try to try to work his work on the basics. A lot of training videos showing you like the right opening ranges, the right approach on flops. A uh, lot of review, and when you get to the super sexy plays, just assume you're going to choke, and don't don't go for them. Usually, <laughs> they're that that was something I wrote in my notebook, which was assume you will choke, and. That sounds really messed up, and people go, why do you talk to yourself that way? To give you an idea of what I've gone through, I was telling this to a bunch of people the other day, and I was talking about why failures can be so helpful. I, I was on the European Poker Tour for a couple years. I final tabled one big tournament. I finished seventh. I just missed another final table. I just missed another final table. Uh, just constantly knocking on the door, nothing happening, losing the big flip. And at some point I realized I, I don't have the financial management. I don't have the mental wherewithal. My drug addictions are getting the best of me. I, I went to Costa Rica and it, it was a really tough time because uh, it, it was, uh, I had to admit I wasn't cut out for the tour. I had to, and that was not easy because it was my dream. And fortunately, I had you guys, and it seemed I was helping a lot of people make a lot of money at poker. Of course, there was a part of me that was like, now why can't I do that? Right? But at the same time, if somebody said, like, what do you love to do? Oh, I love 80s music, right? Would you like to get paid 70000 a 100000 a year to study 80s music? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, would you like to do that? And you could play it, and you could analyze the albums and stuff. Well, hell yeah, give me that. So I did that for a few years with poker. I loved my students, and then my game got better, my savings got better, my mental game got better, I got sober, I started working out a lot. I, I developed a good social network. I, had, I just felt great. 
I went back to the PCA, got the got the chip lead with 18 left, finished 13. There's some garbage. Complete, completely choked. Uh, I, I choked. I'll admit it. I, I choked. I played bad. Uh, I didn't play that bad, as bad as everybody else was saying. Everything checked out on the, you know, I, I ran the numbers. Everything checked out. Uh, one play, but there was a lot of iffy plays. It was a lot of, yeah, how sure can you be of that range, though? And it's th- the answer was pretty sure, but not completely. And one part of me knew I could have relented, and I didn't do it. I, I just kept going for it out of insecurity. And as I busted, Joe Stapleton said, you know, let's hope he doesn't quit for another five years, and uh, which I felt was very uncalled for. Uh, they ran a montage of me busting out in every tournament and kept the narrative of this guy busts and this guy, this is what he does. He just gets deep and he messes up. And then uh, it, I offered to share a taxi with a guy in the airport uh, to the airport on the way back there. And uh, the, the guy said, oh, I saw what you did. That was so stupid. And then he went into me. You know, this guy's been playing poker for a whole year and a half, right? And then uh, I've I heard a lot about it. And I, I, I thought, you know, of course I was real pissy when I got home. And then I thought, what can I do to make this better? And I wrote something in my notebook, which was, assume you will choke. Assume you're never going to come up with the right solution in the time. So I just looked for every, I tried to get a consensus with all training videos and all players, like what is an extreme play? And I had to dig deeper for a Phil Hellmuth or a guy like that, or Jason Mercier even, watching his replays. You'll notice he really values his tournament life. And essentially, if those guys would be very worried about it, that's when you should be worried because those guys are the best in the world. And essentially what they would do is go, well, under the gun open, under the gun plus two, three bet, MP1 cold four bet, and all these guys are really tight. I have queens. Yes, I'm probably slightly ahead here, but I'm not throwing my entire tournament down on a very thin slice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let it go. But at the same time, if under the gun open in MP1 three bet and it comes to them on the button and they have queens, they might not enjoy it, but they know that edge is sufficient enough there normally they do have to put it in. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of guys in that second situation trying to imitate the Mercier and uh, trying to imitate the Phil Elmius of the world. And I just assume I'm going to choke when I reach for those really long plays. I just assume I'm going to be wrong. So I go with, generally, this is a good idea, right? And if if I'm going to deviate from that, I need to have a very strong read. And I have to, I have to admit the fact to myself in the past that my inclinations are not good. I don't have good gut instincts. I don't have that at the poker table. There are times where there will be a raging tide inside myself that says, this is wrong with every fiber of my being, and I will listen to that. But if I have an inclination, remember, gamblers always have the inclination that just maybe it will work out. And, you know, people that got beat by their parents when they were younger have the inclination that I don't think this is going to work out. Both are wrong. You have to get beyond that. And that's why poker is so wildly difficult. It's really hard 
to touch a stove that burns you 70% of the time, but if the play needs to work 20% of the time, you still have to do it mm. because that gives you a 30% effectiveness rate. Mm. And yeah, this was, I'm sorry, you just asked something that I think really gets into the intrinsic art of No Limit Hold'em. And I have many thoughts on this and I don't get to express them in training videos because, you know, my publisher is going to call me up and go, Alex, you talked about a fold for 20 minutes. What's wrong with you? But this <laughs> is what I write about in my notebooks. This is what I love. Mm. This is what makes me realize like No Limit Hold'em is an art. Mm. And yeah, I hope I've communicated that in some sense to you in this passage. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, we got time for one more. All right, you're, you're really pulling your way today, Barry. Good job. All right, yeah. let's go. Okay, this last question for today. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's from Brian. And uh, hi, where are we? I have 85 big blinds in Sunday Million with 1,400 players left. I have ace, queen in mid position. Under the gun, open shoves, 20 big blinds. He's all in. Just moved to the table. No hands on him at all. I decide to call, and if I'm honest, I made the call really quickly at the time. Everyone uh -huh. else folds. He had ace-king. The more I thought about it after, I started to think this was a fold because I have nothing invested there, and there are some stacks behind me with 40-plus big blinds. Although it only knocked me down to 65 big blinds, if one of them went all in, then I kind of have to fold, and I put 20 in dead is the way I was thinking. Okay. Um, might go all in if they wake up with a hand. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Well, this is, this is a great example of what we were just talking about. Good job, Barry. I can tell you cultivated these questions together to link them up. But, uh, yeah. No, Barry, come on. Barry, come on. I'm, I'm giving you our time, bro. <laughs> you good? You I'm good? Li I'm listening. I was really... The, the question before, and like you saying stuff about your notebooks, it's just like... It's like when I play poker and stuff, I think about, like grandiose concepts like that and actually like you know i think i used to make like notes and stuff and like when i started playing again a bit more and i actually final tabled a uh, hundred freeze out one online and got six yeah, you did. the other week um i got six um and that was that's it so just gets cool. you thinking and it just what's that <gasps> yeah no, that's so cool that you just come back and it's like, oh, by the way, 109 final table on, it was on Stars, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a terrible 109, hot 109. Stars yeah. is not easy to beat, by the way, but, and you just like come back and it's like, oh, <laughs> hold my beer, watch this, you know, like, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so um, even like playing that and just, like, I think the turbos sort of got me in that mindset a lot more like tournament life, tournament life, because you're playing like right. eight, nine big blinds sometimes and it's, it's still not. It's, you're still in it. We're like fifteen big, fifteen players left, fourteen players left. Rather than before, right. you just, oh, uh, like before when I first started playing, I've got nine big blinds. First hand I see eight two. I'm all like, you know, it's live cards like sort of thing. Whereas right. now I'm like, I can actually fold here and get the king high and the cut up and shove it, you know, and it's uh, right, right, like that. So it was just, it was just sort of along those lines. Of um, course, that's my buzzer yeah. going, but I'm not waiting on anyone or anything, so it's probably a wrong, wrong. Uh, in case guys are hearing that noise, someone at my door. It's probably the same house cleaning staff. Yeah, yeah. That just came here. Saying, yeah. Um, so it really got, you know, that question previously got me thinking. That was all it was. I was just thinking, like, it's to hear someone like yourself still, like, that just proves there's a lot of talk online just now about, you know, artificial intelligence, beating Hold'em and stuff. And then you go, 
well, wait a minute, like, if you actually look at every scenario and all the scenarios and possibilities, like, that is true, like, No Limit Hold'em is an art, I mean, it is so, you've just got to keep thinking these things in these situations, and then even when you start to think you've remotely got it figured out, something will happen at a table that just makes you think, like, wow, you know, like, yeah, I even, or it clicks and you go, that's possible, or, oh my god, why did I do that previously, or, you know, like, that. and just <clears> someone like yourself that's played so long and studied and is still, like, you know, so passionate about learning the game. I was just, like, thinking about that. Yeah, that was what it was. Yeah, and I, I mean, no, and uh, Derek, we'll get to your question. I'll wrap this up in another one of my 20-minute monologues. But uh, there's a, uh, we're going to call this episode Big Laydowns because, one, we're talking about big laydowns, and two, I didn't get more than four hours of sleep <laughs> for seven nights in a row. I've got big laydowns and big layovers. Big layovers and big, and big laydowns. Oh, oh, that's it. That's why you make the big bucks, Barry. But, <laughs> uh, well, I, I didn't even mention this in my opening monologue. I I missed my flight by 20 minutes in Atlanta, and I had to spend the next 14 hours in the airport or something ridiculous. So I had to sleep on my backpack on the floor of the airport, which I've haven't done in a very long time but yeah anyway um yeah uh it it's really funny when i came back to poker stars after having some time away due to black friday and to be honest them being colossal pricks about me coming back on the site uh they i was doing really well at the turbos and that was i thought i was really valuing my tournament life more than other people because i'd done some work with some icm applications and i i'll be honest i'm not terrific with icm i try to listen to the guys i think know a lot more than i do mm-hmm. and they you, they were just saying they have these situations where they were saying this guy moves in for nine big blinds you have 15 big blinds and ace king offsuit i think it's a fold and i was like what like it's a fold and it, he was like well look the average stack at your final table is like six five big blinds mm-hmm. and you have several orbits coming through and likely two or three of them are going to bust in those two or three orbits so you're risking four thousand in real money to put this in i was like i have never thought of that ever mm-hmm. right that was such a and of course some of us take this too far with the folding some of it take it too far with the gambling and there is the art where where is the line? And this is something, I, I remember the D-Rye, if anybody remembers the D-Rye, do you remember the D-Rye? Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! That's a long callback. When he was killing Sidney's, uh way, way back in the day, and the thing I saw him do that was incredible is, well, first of all, he was the nicest guy on planet Earth, so I think he could accept criticism really well. Back then, I have no idea about him now. I haven't talked to him in eight, seven years or something. But he would, uh, he was very open-minded, and he looked at jams very differently amongst other people and really thought about the whole tournament. And he was just making money hand over fist, right? And uh, it, I, I really, I don't know where the line is, but if you can take anything away from this podcast, there's, there's this quote from Kurt Vonnegut, we become what we pretend to be. When I was a washout, drug addict, burnout from my high school, I just pretended there, there's, this, there's this type of thinking where it's like, no, I'm not going to try to get off of drugs. I'm going to get off of drugs. I'm not going to try to get out of bed. I'm going to get out of bed. When you say, 
I used to think affirmations were the dumbest crap you ever heard in your life. Like people sitting in front of the mirror saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I thought that was such a joke. But your subconscious will work on something if you tell it to work on it, right? So uh, what was uh, what's a good example? If you say, I'm going to be a comedian... Your subconscious throughout the day, you don't notice it, but it's going to work on how will I go about that, right? Well, I guess I'm going to have to do some open mics. I guess I'm going to have to do some. And then when you finally get to the moment where you can actually do something about it, your mind's been working on it all day. That's what I believe affirmations are. I I, I don't believe the universe is attracted to you or any of that garbage, right? But there's a – I remember saying, like, I will become a great – poker player. I will become one of the best in the world. I remember saying that and I asked myself, a lot of my life is imitation. When I'm at a party, I, I, my skin stands, uh, the hair on my skin stands on end yeah. because I don't know how to act in parties because parties when I were growing up was four bush lights and a blunt and everybody fighting at the end of the night over a Scrabble game that somebody had money on. It was just stupid white people crap, you know what I mean? Just dumbasses. Uh, you just bar fights and crap like that. When I go to, but when I go to like a good party now or like a nice, you know, I'm with like higher company, I think what would somebody in this group do necessarily, right? Well, I think they would thank the host for having them over, right? So you thank the host. You would compliment somebody on the food if it tastes good and they know you're not full of it. Yeah. Um, You'd shake people's hands and say names. You'd memorize names, right? You would use their names in conversation. I am terrified through all of this. I'm imitating all of this. Nobody knows, though. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. They just see a guy putting in effort, and they appreciate that. Humans are not mean in that way. They don't know you. They don't know you're feeling awkward. They don't care. They just see somebody trying. And when it came to poker... I felt ridiculous the first time I pulled out a notebook. And I bet you probably would feel that way right there if you were just yeah. writing your ideas yeah. Yeah. about poker. And, you know, I had my moleskin notebooks. And I had my binders. And I, I remember Eric Lindgren actually made fun of me one time for my notebook hmm. at a table, right? And then uh, it, people would grab it and they'd write, what are, you read, what are you writing and all this crap, right? I've had so many people make fun of me, right? But I just pretended. I just was like, I'm going to pretend I'm this great thinker in poker, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now I get pay- How many people get paid more than I do to talk about poker? Yeah. There's not that many. And it's because I became what I pretended to be. And it took 20, 30,000 hours. Yeah. It took me more than most people. I'm sure it took other people 6,000 hours, 7,000 hours. Does anybody see that? Does anybody uh-huh. care? Nobody uh-huh. cares. They're just like, well, he got there, he did it, and that's it. You know, and it's the same thing. You it's just that have thing, to... like, yeah, Mark Cuban, a guy, I think he says, like, you work, you work 20 years so people can call you, like, an overnight success just because they're Bam. away, like, you know, of you. <laughs> it's like, because yeah, exactly. they don't know about you, it's like, I worked 20 years so people could call me an overnight success or something. That's <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's like, you. Sur- the other thing you got to do is surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Yeah. I can't, there's a lot of times in conversations people go, wow, that's a really good insight you just had there, Alex. And I have to admit, well, my friend who's twice my age told me that, you know, and it's the thing is you think about, okay, I'm 29 years old right now. You think about, uh, if I think about, or if you take your age 
take a, who you are at 30 years old and think of how you were thinking at 20 yeah. versus how you were thinking at 30. Mm -hmm. And it is in a different hemisphere. It's not in the same galaxy. No. And you meet a guy who's 52 who's giving you advice. Remember, he's traveled through three of those galaxies to give you that advice. So you better pay attention. Yeah. There's... I remember when I was 19 years old, I was breaking up with my girlfriend at the time in South Korea, and I had no idea how to go about it, right? I didn't lead her on. I didn't tell her we were going to get married. I didn't tell her it was forever. I didn't say any of that crap, right? Mm -hmm. But she had gotten emotionally involved, as she should, because I kept... Originally, I was supposed to be crashing at her place for a few, a few nights, mm -hmm. and it became a few more nights. Then we were boyfriend-girlfriend, and I did lead her on. I didn't know what I was doing because I was 19 effing years old, right? Yeah. And then I called my buddy, or I didn't call my buddy. I think he called me because he knew what was about to happen. He was like 45, and he was like, Alex, this is going to be one of the toughest things you ever do. You look her in the eye, you tell her you messed up, and you're going to break up. We're breaking up. And you leave her everything in that apartment. You don't take anything. You treat her as well as possible, and you get out there. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I have never regretted it, because if I was one of those guys that broke up over a text message or a phone call, and yeah. I even told him, why don't I just call her from the, the States and tell her? And he was like, who would that be easier for, her or you? Mm. Right? And I had to, it hurts. It burns to grow. But you have to surround yourself by people that push you, yeah. right? And your partner should be someone who pushes you. Your mm -hmm. friends should be people who push you. Barry pushes me. Barry knows more about life than I'm talking about you like you're not here, Barry. Deal with it now. <laughs> but, like, no, you, you, like, you know, you, you know a lot of stuff from, like, the old timers. <laughs> like, something you told me that was really interesting was, like, money's there to get to smooth out problems mm -hmm. that's the big thing because you go from zero dollars a year to fifty thousand a year it's much more impactful than going from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand a year right yeah and that that uh i always wonder what what is really the great advantage of making a hundred thousand i was really depressed when i just realized i got to what you know one of the higher earners in my industry and i realized there was nothing there i still you know I still struggle to get by on a middle class income. And by the way, you know, there's a lot of years I don't make a hundred thousand, right? I probably, you know, I, I, if I was on welfare, probably I'd make more money compared to some of these years. And I was wondering, what is it there? And then you pointed out to me, and you got this from somebody else, I'm sure, mm -hmm. but it's like it's there to smooth out problems. And I realized all the money I spent on my divorce, and it was a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it's all worth it because, you know, we weren't, like, throwing crap at each other in the house. We weren't, you know, burning bridges. We weren't yelling at each other's families. It was all – and, you know, what? I look back and it's like all the money I spent, you know, it's worth it. And, like, yeah. I didn't know that was what money was for. I, I always felt guilty at all the money I threw at problems in my life, but that's what it's for. Mm -hmm. And that's just one thing, but, like, you know, I surround myself – Carlos is my roommate in Bullhead City. Why? Carlos is one of the most emotionally intelligent people I've ever met in my life. And, like, I was listening. The, for the first time ever, we were just BSing while I was going about a bunch of my errands, right? He was talking about politics. I have never heard a more rational dude about politics, right? 
he said something I'd never thought of in my life, which was uh, a good friend of mine got very worked up. I guess of ours. We both know this girl. She got very worked up in a political conversation, which is very common right now in the United States. Like, I, I hear people describing going to political events as self-care, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, excuse me. Don't mean to take the Lord's name in vain, but Jesus Christ, please help this child. Anyway, but, like, uh, it, it was uh, – uh, shout-out to Steve for calling me on that, by the way. But, yeah, it, it's like, you know, it, come on. It's just politics, darling, right? Like, and then – Another friend of ours was, like, crying about some conversation she got into with her father about, okay, I'll just tell you, no, I, I won't tell you who this is. It's somebody we all know. But anyway, I'm not going to do it. But, like, uh, <laughs> there, uh, anyway, and I was saying, you know, you know, sweetie, this is how it works. Some people believe the government needs to disperse some, some things to help people out and kind of regulate things a bit because... They, they, they think the economy is a little brutal, and other people think you need to free up the economy to create more money to, to free, you know, to, to get a little money moving through to help people. Okay. And, you know, it, people differ on that, but if we work together, we can find a happy compromise. And Carlos said something I'd never thought of in my life, and he's like, you know what the crazy thing is? They're both right. Yeah. Both of them have a point. And I had never thought of that in my life, like as hardcore libertarian jackass white dude with no a lot of, you know, a lot of privilege, right? I'd never thought of that. And he has a real, and he was like, yeah, and it, it, like I, you want to surround yourself with people that give you realizations like that, right? And can call out the BS with CNN, can call out the BS with Fox News, can call out with the BS with like, you surround yourself like that, you pretend you're going to become a successful person by surrounding yourself with people that are in a different echelon, you will become that person take it mm -hmm. seriously write down notes think about it repeat them to you make index cards do it and this is a lot like my did you read my recent email barry yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, read, I read all your emails um, uh, did you read the one where just for three pages i ran it at everybody yeah yeah i did i did yeah and that. it was the same thing it was the same thing just you know and the one I before said, that was like clean your room i think you know i read them all i get them yeah yeah them. exactly and then well Essentially, I just made the point. It's like, pretend you're going to become a great poker player. Make you, what would a great poker player do? Put, write things on index cards and review them on the subway. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, this is so dorky. Guess what? 99.99% of poker players are not doing this. So if you do this once or twice, you're ahead of all of them. And if you do it every day for a year, you're ahead of 99.999% of them. So get to work. All right, that's it. I'm done. Okay, so like what, the football, Brady, Jersey. Anyway, <laughs> just to think about that question, Brian's about the East Queen position. Oh yeah, yeah. full, 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 yeah. full. When you're full. iffy, yo, yo, homie. When you're iffy on it, I I made this rule with a bunch of my guys. I was like, I give you, I hereby give you the assassinato card for life to fold whenever you feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. Just fold. It's okay. You fold a little too much. You can fix that eventually. You get it all in a little too much. Say goodbye to your poker career. There's no Nolan and Hold'em player on earth that's lasted more than a decade who can't make a big laydown. If you disagree with me, find me that guy. Find me that guy. Okay? And everybody okay. brings up Stu Unger. Stu Unger died broke at the bus station, so don't tell me that. Okay? And anyway, all right. 
All right. And just a reminder, Alex's actually last email was an email out telling you all these products are 50% off. So if you want to get one of his webinars, as you say, Alex said some of them are like 30 bucks and stuff now. So yeah. um, just Ooh. where can they find the details of that? Just write to you. Yeah, just write to me on uh, alexandpogradors.com. I guess I should publish that online somewhere. I'd probably make more money and not be such a god-awful businessman yeah. who's yeah. dancing at everybody. Live Poker 101 for just a few days. It's going to be a 1000 bucks for the 40 hours of content I wrote about live poker. By the way, everybody in that class, a lot of them paid up to 800 bucks, a 1000 to be in there. Everybody loved it. Every single person loved it. It's just 11 episodes, two, two, three hours long, multiple choice questions. If you like Test Your Poker, this is Test Your Poker on acid and steroids simultaneously. This is every live poker situation I could possibly think of for a live poker 101 scenario. It's 500 bucks. Pick it up while it's hot. Everything else is 50% off. Uh... If you're looking about getting private lessons, write me there, too. Go to PokerAdRush.com to check out all the new strategy articles. Uh, yeah, you know, life is good, man. Hit me up. Uh, become a part of it. Support independent poker, working class poker. Yeah, Let's make, go. It, make America great again. Yeah, um, mate. Uh, I, I, I'm here to do just that, Barry. That is it. Uh, okay, I'm going to build that wall, as Riard says. <laughs> Keep your questions coming in for Alex on a future show. Questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. And Alex, thanks for your time. We will do this again next week. Keep your questions coming in and cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.